Friends, good evening. My name is Tony Sundermeyer. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church. Let me welcome you uh, to this hour of worship on this Christmas Eve. It is such a joy uh, to welcome you this night. Whether you've been here a thousand times or whether it's your first time, we all hope and pray that you feel at home, that you feel connected, and that each and every one of us, our hearts and our minds are open to the gift that God wants to give to each and every one of us. Uh, I'm going to invite you, if you have some room in your pews, just to scoot inside toward the middle section of your pews. We have some folks I see standing. We do have overflow in our uh, reception room, which is right here. Uh, ushers are taking a look. That's Thank you so much. It usually takes three or four times of inviting people to do that. This section gets the gold star. They win right away. Thank you very much. Uh, there are some seats still available. Uh, if not, are we full in the balcony? Yes, I see heads nodding. We have one or two seats up there. So certainly the overflow is an option. There's some seats here, singles over there. Uh, it'll help our ushers. This is a good problem to have. Uh, we're thankful that so many are here this night. As folks are being continually seated, let me remind you that we do have a Christmas Day service tomorrow at 10 a.m. in our chapel. And then next week, December 31st, uh, we have just one service. It is a Sunday, but we will not have our 8 or 9 o'clock service. We'll just have our 11 o'clock on Sunday, New Year's Eve. Again, thank you for being here this night. Back in the mid-1980s, uh, an Austrian Boy Scout went to Bethlehem. And while he was in Bethlehem, he visited the place that is known to be the place of Jesus' birth. There is a grotto there in that city, and there is a candle that is perpetually lit. It is lit throughout the year and burns throughout the year, and visitors come and they're reminded of Christ's light that burns still, that still lights the way. And so in the mid-'80s, this Austrian scout brought it back to Austria, and a bunch of other scouts came from around the continent, from around Europe, and they would come and they would light their lamps off of this single light that came from the city of Bethlehem, from the very place of Christ's birth. It hadn't got to the United States until 2001. Some Canadian scouts thought it would be a good idea to come to Ground Zero that first Christmas after 9-11 and to light a candle with what they call the peace light that comes from the grotto in Bethlehem. And so since that time, Austria has actually flown two miners' lanterns that burn this light from Bethlehem to the United States. And scouts from all over the United States now get a chance to share this light with their troops, with their communities, with their churches. One of our young people, a man by the name of Quentin Cables, he just went through his honor court to become an Eagle Scout last week. He has brought us the peace light from Bethlehem. We want to thank his mother, too, who is somewhere here in the orchestra, because she is the one that has kept it burning for the past two weeks. <laughs> so as I've said in the previous services, every candle that will be lit in our worship today has a start in Bethlehem, has a start from the peace light, from the place of Christ's birth. 
As we begin our time of worship, I will go to the back and our acolytes will light their wicks from this peace light. They'll light the Advent candle. And then later on in the service, when the Christ, lit, Christ candle is lit, that'll be the light that is shared with the whole congregation. Remember that Christ's light is still burning. It burns for you. It burns for me. It burns for this whole world. Thanks be to God as we gather in his name. Those who are sitting around the perimeter of the sanctuary, good thing the heat is not blasting tonight. Also for those who I was just with in overflow, before I left, I told them I'd give them a shout out. Here it is. Thank you for sitting in overflow tonight. And for all those who are joining us on Facebook Live or one of other, or, or on one other, uh, of one of our, goodness gracious, overflow, look what it did to me. Um, on one of our other uh, media platforms, we thank you for joining us in worship tonight. Let us pray. Lord, even as we stumble over words, we know you're gracious. Even as we fit tightly in a room like this, we know you are here. We come into this moment carrying many things. Some things we've been honest about, some things we've left deep inside, buried beneath the surface. We'd ask, O oh Lord, that you would give us a word tonight from this ancient word that maybe we've heard many, many times. But would it fall on fresh ears? Would it fall on fresh eyes? Would it fall on fresh hands and on fresh feet so that we would be changed, that we'd be different than the person who came into this sacred space tonight? Even to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, 2,000 years ago, something of infinite consequence took place. 2,000 years ago, the creator and eternal God, not bound by space or by time, full of glory, full of majesty, full of power, and full of truth, out of divine freedom and divine love, chose to take on flesh and dwell among us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that great theologian and martyr, called this event the philanthropy of God. It is God's generous act toward you and me and the entire world. This baby, the one we call Jesus, the one we call the Christ, is the full revelation of God. This Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, and this revelation is nothing short of God's unwavering desire to be in relationship with humanity. Humanity, the pinnacle act of God's creation. C.S. Lewis once said that God became a human being so that human beings might become daughters and sons of the living God. And friends, the good news tonight is this. It is so. That because God came as a human being, 
Human beings may be sons and daughters of the living God. That is exactly what we are. So on this night, we recall and recount the story. We recall and recount some of the characters who first received God's coming those many years ago. Remember young, astounded, and overwhelmed Mary. She received news from the angel of the Lord declaring something that just didn't seem possible given her circumstances. Gabriel declared, Mary, you are favored by God. You are chosen by God. Mary is God's choice. And yet in Mary's world, this choice seemed ridiculous. She lived in a world where only men were chosen and favored, not women. She lived in a world that favored the rich, and she was poor. Mary was young in a world that favored the old. Mary was single in a world that preferred wives and mothers to singles and childless women. Life's circumstances might have been overwhelming for Mary, and yet that is precisely in the place that God speaks. God still calls upon her. God still shows up. God says, you are chosen. You are favored despite your circumstances, despite what you see all around you, contrary to my call upon your life, despite your feelings of being overwhelmed. You, Mary, are my choice. We remember Mary. We also remember the shepherds tending their flocks by night. They were common, ordinary, regular working folk. They were part of a religious community called the people of Israel, where it seemed that God had been silent for generations where God was absent from their community. You see, the Roman Empire had set up a faux king, a puppet named Herod, who sold his soul to that pagan empire for a tiny taste of power. The land was occupied by this oppressor, and so they had no voice. They were heavily taxed, and yet they had no political recourse. In a context like that one, it is not hard to think that bitterness or apathy would have set in for those regular, ordinary folk. For those shepherds, perhaps they had lost hope. Perhaps they had lost faith. All that they had witnessed around them might have formed in them what the great English poet George Herbert called a stony heart, a heart that couldn't feel, a heart that couldn't trust, a heart that couldn't believe. Sure enough, they were not expecting good news that night. And yet that's precisely what they receive, good news of great joy. God is not dead. God is not silent. God is on the move in real time and in real life, ready to make stony hearts bleed, ready to make stony hearts beat once more to the rhythms of hope. We remember Mary, we remember the shepherds, and we also remember the Magi who followed the child's star. I'd like to think that they were seeking something more that night. They were questing for something authentic, something true. They didn't want the, the, the faux king, the faux puppet king called Herod. They passed right by him. They're looking 
for a new king, a true king. They're looking for Jesus, and they go after him. And God makes a way. God makes a way for them to meet this child king through the light of a guiding star. Yes, 2,000 years ago, something of great consequence took place. It happened back then. It happened back then in the lives of real people, in ordinary people like you and me. Back then, we say, God showed up. God showed up. But what about now? What about today? Might one of the deep and profound questions we bring with us into a night like tonight whether we've given voice to it, whether we've named it, or whether it's buried deep within us in an emotion or a hunch or an instinct that has yet to be given words, might the question be, if God showed up then, why can't God show up now? If it happened then to Mary, if it happened then to the shepherds and to the magi, why can't it happen now? Why can't it happen to me? Why is it that some of us enter into this sacred space thinking this story is just part of a nostalgia? Maybe for a season gives us a little bit of light, but it is something that happened way back then, not something that can happen now. And so the overwhelmed sitting in our midst will ask, can God show up in my life? with a word of favor, with a word of chosenness, the way God did for Mary. The bitter or the unbelieving or the apathetic among us will ask, can God show up and soften my stony heart and call me to something I can believe in, something I can trust, something that stirs in me a new hope? And those among us yearning for an authentic faith, those longings who are longing rather for the real thing, those questing to see the true God, they'll ask, can God shine a star and guide my way? Can God lead me to the authentic, to the true, to a faith that exists beyond ceremonies and moods? If it happened then, why can't it happen now. In December of 2015, uh, Father Christopher Hinu could feel his excitement and his nervousness grow as he prepared to lead his parish for the very first time during the Advent and Christmas season. He was just 28 years old, ordained for less than a year, and, and he was one of the parish priests at a church in Queens, New York. Get this, it It's called the Holy Child Jesus Church. On this particular day in December, he was counseling a couple as they were preparing for their marriage when his office line began to ring. He was focused on the couple, so he just let it go to voicemail. When a few moments later, the secretary burst in. Father, he said, there's an emergency. So the priest got up as he felt his heart racing. He followed his colleague. They, they walked toward the sanctuary when the secretary said, Father, there is a baby in the church. 
Father Hinu entered the sanctuary, he noticed that one of the custodians, a man by the name of Jose, had set up the creche and the, the nativity scene just hours earlier that morning. He was now standing by that scene as the two approached. He said, I set up the nativity this morning, and then I took my lunch break, and, and when I came back to clean the church, I began to hear noises coming from the manger in the stable. And so I approached, and I found a baby boy, his umbilical cord still attached. Father Hinu advanced toward the manger to see if such a thing could be. You know, the manger should have been empty during those weeks. It shouldn't have anything in it until Christmas midnight mass and the Christmas day services when a plastic baby doll Jesus would be wrapped in swaddling clothing and, and put, it in, put it into the manger. But now before the priest's incredulous eyes, the manger was occupied by a real flesh and blood baby boy. He was overcome by the moment as he gazed upon the child, fixed on his beauty, his preciousness, his innocence, and his helplessness, so young and so tiny. The child was wrapped in purple bath towels. It was not lost on the priest, the custodian, or the secretary that purple is the color of Advent, the color of royalty, the color fit for a newborn king. They called 911 right away, and then they called the parish school's nurse, and she immediately came to tend to the child as they waited for the paramedics to arrive. And when they finally did arrive, one paramedic wrapped the baby in insulated material similar to that which a runner receives after completing a long race, while the other paramedic held up a heat lamp over the child. Father Hinu noted that now the scene was complete, for the lamp was the star, lighting the way to the child. Not soon after these events, through video surveillance and conversations with the community, the mother of the child was discovered to be an 18-year-old girl. She had just come to the United States. She was living with her aunt. She kept the pregnancy hidden by wearing baggy clothes and she gave birth to that baby boy all alone in her aunt's home. She'd actually been to the Holy Child Jesus Church in Queens before, not too far from where her aunt lived. She remembered it as a sacred space. She remembered feeling safe there. She remembered upon entering in, she felt the very presence of God. And as she came that morning in secret to the church, carrying that baby in purple bath towels, she made an impossible decision, but one that was rooted in her own faith. For she would later say, I left him with God. Under New York State safe haven law, a mother can leave a child less than 30 days old in a place such as a firehouse or a hospital or a church, so no charges were ever filed, and the baby would eventually be adopted. Back in the parish, Christmas was fast approaching, and all that the congregants and the priests could talk about was this baby, was this gift. And on Christmas Eve night, as Father Christopher Hinu celebrated his very first midnight mass, he updated the congregation on the baby's good health. 
And then he said this. When I saw the child lying in the manger, it reaffirmed my faith and my calling. When I think of that mother and her choice, I only think of strength and courage and how proud I am that she chose our church, believing her child would be safe here. It reminded me of God's providential care. It reminded me that God is present and how God's presence with us reaffirms the beauty of life and the gift of life we all share. Pastor and author Nadia Boltz Weber once wrote this, to experience Christmas is to trust that God can do this thing again. That God can do this thing again. She goes on to say that God again can be born in me and in you in this broken mess of a gorgeous world. Friends, God is not somewhere else. God is here. And like that mother who brought that child to that particular church in Queens, New York, so too does God with courage and strength bring the Christ child to you and to me and to all people and asks us once more to receive him. And so to the overwhelmed, to the bitter and the apathetic and those who carry a stony heart, to those who are questing for something more than that which they have settled for, God comes this very night. Will we receive him? Will we take him in like that church took in that child? Will we allow him to make peace in our life, to bring comfort even in our overwhelmed living? Will we allow him to turn bitterness and unbelief into a fresh start and new hope? Will we allow him to give us the grace to not settle for anything less than what God has for us, for everything that God has for us, is so good. Christ has come again. Just as he came to Mary, the shepherds into the Magi, he comes this very night to each and every one of us. May we receive him once more. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.